Good evening, uh, Chair Wiley and Sustainability Commissioners. This meeting of January 13th of 2022 is being held pursuant to Government Code Section 54953E and in light of the declared state of emergency and all members are joining this meeting telephonically through Zoom. Thank you, Elena. Welcome everyone. Uh, welcome to my fellow commissioners and our new vice mayor. Uh, big congratulations to Vice Mayor Blaustein um, and members of the public. Thank you for joining us as well as our speakers tonight. Uh, Elena, can you please conduct roll call for us? Yes. <laughs> Commissioner Palmer? Here. Commissioner Cooper? Present. Vice Chair Thompson? Here. Chair Wiley? Here. And Commissioner Cornelia? Does not appear to be present at this time, but we have four of seven members, so there is a quorum. Um, I, I uh, wanted to point out and announce that we have received a resignation from Commissioner Lee, uh, so I'm not calling her role today. Did she move? Are they moving away? Oh, I need to send her a text. That's really sad. Yeah. Oh. But exciting because she has twins and so I get it, but it's sad to see her go. Yeah, yeah, we'll miss her. I told her that we've got big shoes to fill. Oh yeah. Okay, so are, are we ready to go to agenda? Uh, yes. Okay, so uh, the first item on the agenda is public comments on items not on the agenda. Uh, members of the public may comment on items not in the published agenda at this time. Public comment is limited to three minutes per speaker, after which speakers will be muted. Are there any members of the public who would like to make a public comment? Please raise your hand in the Zoom application, which can be found under the reactions button at the bottom of your screen. Leon Hunting is, is raising his hand physically, if you can't see it, Lauren. Oh. <laughs> Okay, I, I will. I will uh, ask you to unmute Leon, and you have three minutes. Unmute. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, join the meeting tonight. Um, I should first of all clarify: I am a resident of Sausalito. We've been here for fifty-one years, and I'm a former city council member. Um, I was also on the executive board of uh, ABAG uh, representing Marin. I've been on the Marin Civil, uh, Marin County Civil Grand Jury. And um, I want to talk about something that relates to sustainability. It's sustainability of our special Sausalito environment and habitats. Um, and to open with that, I, I will mention I've been involved on the conservation side for Sausalito since the early 80s when I uh, found out that the Martin Luther King School was going to be surplused to go into uh, 283 condominiums. And I just felt that that was totally wrong for Sausalito and a lot of people in Sausalito felt the same way. So I was able to negotiate a right of first refusal with the superintendent of the 
uh, MLK school. And uh, it took a few years, but we were able to purchase the property. A few years ago, uh, <clears throat> Herbie, our mayor at the time, asked me to chair uh, uh, a program to determine what the city should do with a property called Butte Street property. And it, it was all open space. We took a year, we determined that yes, Butte Street should stay as open space. The city uh, didn't, didn't own it fully. There were two parties to it, uh, so it couldn't be sold easily. Uh, we formed open space Sausalito, purchased the property, worked with the city, uh, brought in all of the support, and today it is a phenomenal habitat for wildlife. Um, so we have other properties in Sausalito that are in open space. One of the most valuable is Cypress Ridge, which is uh, off the freeway and Rodeo Avenue. And we are working, uh, we've talked with the city council about uh, putting that property 15.1 acres into a conservation easement. Am, am I close or am I yes. what? Okay, all right. Uh, so we would like to uh, talk with you further about supporting us in our effort to do this. This was property that was purchased by the city in 1976, put into open space and the uh, community felt it was entirely protected. All right, thank you. I'm sorry, we have to move on to the next speaker now. Time is up. Uh, Linda Pfeiffer, please unmute yourself and proceed with your comment. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, welcome and thank you everyone for this opportunity to speak. My name is Linda Pfeiffer, Secretary of Open Space Sausalito. I'm a resident as well. I'm here seeking sustainability committee support for a conservation easement for Cypress Ridge Open Space. I was also a council member who served as sustainability committee liaison. So I know the challenges you're facing and I encourage you to be bold. And one way to be bold is to take a stand for our indigenous wildlife. Cypress Ridge shelters over 100 bird and mammal species indigenous to Sausalito. And the site that I represent at Open Space Sausalito, that provides the water source, but Cypress Ridge provides the home for all of these indigenous species. Cypress Ridge provides the open space where these species live, breed, roam, hunt, and raise their young. So this is an absolutely strategic um, open space and it has been open, zoned open space for decades. Um, the species at Cypress Ridge include gray fox, mule deer, coyotes, bobcat, dusky-footed wood rat, a California species of concern, numerous bird species, including owls, red-tailed hawks, and other falcons. And as you know about the uh, dire state of our wildlife, um, 432 species of North American birds are at risk of extinction, 1.5 billion fewer breeding birds compared to 40 years ago, et cetera. So we want to protect Cypress Ridge, put a conservation easement on it. 
Like I said, Cypress Ridge has been zoned open space for decades. A conservation easement is basically a housekeeping measure. It's a reiteration of established and settled city policy. It ensures the continuation of the city's open space policy in light of questions and frankly, ambiguities raised by state, um, the state's new housing bills. Cypress Ridge is held in trust by the city and its protection and stewardship are the duty and responsibility of the city county as trustees. Council members come and go over the years, but the trust remains in perpetuity as a part of Sausalito's continuing legacy for present and future citizens. A conservation easement will make this clear and ensure the continuation of Sausalito's indigenous wildlife for decades to come. And, and it would be an amazing legacy for the sustainability committee as well. Am I within my three minutes you still? You are. Okay. Um, so I, I just want to add that um, we will be doing outreach and answering any questions you may, may have and um, uh, in the future. And uh, uh, we can't do it now because we're not on the agenda. Um, you Time know, is up. I just wanted to clarify that. Okay. Thank right. you. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Leon. And yes, you're correct. We can't discuss this now, but uh, please, you know, you're welcome to send a, a note to to the Sustainability Commission and request time on a future uh, meeting. And, and we'd love to hear more. Um, so let us know how we can support you. Um, okay, moving on to the approval of minutes. Um, this is from the regular meeting on December 9th of last year. Do I have a motion and a second to approve? Motion to approve. Do I have a second? Second the motion. Thank you. All right, I'll call the roll. Uh, Commissioner Palmer? Yes. Commissioner Cooper? Vice Chair Thompson? Yes. And Chair Wiley? Yes. All right, 404 motion passes. Okay, thank you. All right, so um, next up we have uh, two presentations this evening. Uh, our first presentation is going to be about the implementation of State Bill 1383. This is the big, big... Uh, California State Bill that uh, we are responsible for implementing here through the city. Uh, we utilized Zero Waste Marin JPA grant money that we apply for every year. Uh, we used it this year to uh, secure some help from Envirolutions. Uh, they're here today to speak about that. And um, I believe our, yes, our three is here as well, who's also uh, been uh, helping the city through additional funding the state is providing uh, to, to get us there. So it's a big project and I'm excited to hear about all the great work uh, that you all are doing to help us. So I'll turn it over, I believe first to, is it Rose with R3, you're gonna kick it off? Yep, okay, thank you, over to you. Sure, yeah, good, good evening, commissioners, and it's my pleasure to be with you 
this evening. Um, so R Rose Radford, R3 Consulting, um, R3 consults for exclusively municipal agencies on exclusively solid waste matters. Um, so we're a very boutique um, consulting firm. And we also are working with the vast majority of Marin County and much of Contra Costa County and, and jurisdictions throughout the state on these matters. So it was very exciting to hear from Sausalito and get started uh, working with you as well. Um, so tonight I'm going to be presenting um, the sort of overview basics of the law to, to help you understand what, what is involved in, in compliance. We are uh, underway with a number of other efforts, um, working closely with your city staff, uh, including a, a preliminary assessment of your compliance and uh, activities to date, and also a copy of uh, your municipal code update, which is a, a significant short-term priority. Uh, tonight, we don't have the municipal code update to show to you, um, but what I am presenting to you tonight will um, be substantially included in the municipal code update. So this is actually the presentation I normally would give along with the municipal code update. Um, it is a good opportunity for you if you do have questions about how this is gonna look uh, to provide those questions and, and, and any feedback that you may have so that we can incorporate that into your municipal code update. Um, so with that, I will get started sharing my screen. And I am going to move through this presentation fairly quickly. Um, uh, if there is anything that is confusing that you'd like to just call and ask me to pause, I will try to keep my eye on the, on the camera. Happy to take questions as they arise and at the end of the presentation. Um, so again, basically this presentation will walk through SB 1383. It will briefly go through which parts of this apply in the municipal code. And then I, I'll talk a little bit about how this could be implemented and what implementation looks like for other agencies. Um, so Senate Bill 1383 is uh, uh, target specifically organic waste. So the first question is, what are what is this organics that we're talking about? So that is uh, yard clippings, vegetative matter, the kinds of things that you would put in your green waste cart at home. Also leftover food scraps. So really anything that uh, started as a living being would be considered organics under this law. Uh, your existing program already does include collection of all of these materials for both residents and businesses in the city. Why are organics important? Well, there's two reasons. Two thirds of the material that's currently being landfilled um, in the state, statewide, is organic material. And also this, in some cases, this is uh, edible food that could otherwise be donated and used to feed hungry people. Um, and what happens when this organic, the organics are landfilled? Well, they actually break down anaerobically and produce uh, methane gas and other uh, climate super pollutants. Um, and I don't think that I need to emphasize how important it is um, as a, a statewide priority, and I'm sure on the local level for you um, to be proactive in fighting uh, climate change. So SB 1383 is, um, I think, best understood as a climate change law. Uh, so this is a successor to AB 32, and that's the reason that it has uh, received so much attention. 
and the reason why it is so prescriptive and uh, um, and thorough, <laughs> I would say it's it's one of the most impactful solid waste legislations that we we've seen since the 90s. Skip through. Um, this, uh, I'm not gonna read all of the bullets on this slide. Uh, we will get into the details later in this presentation, but this is uh, essentially an unfunded state mandate. Uh, there's a small amount of grant funding available for this, for this coming year, um, but it's nothing close to the actual costs for implementing the programs. Um, it does sit, set statewide targets and builds on existing laws. Again, I do wanna emphasize that in fact, uh, the collection systems that are in place now and the collection systems you have in Marin really were the model that the state looked at um, when they decided to pass these, the, this law. So many other collection systems throughout the state are going to need to move into the system that you have currently. Uh, so, you know, fundamentally, you are well situated for compliance. As a local agency, the law requires, um, I'm going to walk through these quickly. So organics collection needs to be provided to everyone unless they produce very, very little organic waste. So this could be a, a significant shift. Um, and also uh, sorting out food waste, especially for residents, might not be a familiar practice. So this is the big change that we're looking at in the state. Establish an edible food recovery program. I'll talk about that briefly later. Uh, conduct outreach and education so that people know what, what they're required to do. Uh, assist in supporting the markets for recovered organic products. That includes recycled content paper and also compost and mulch and a few other uh, types of materials that, that you may be purchasing currently. Um, make sure that you have sufficient capacity for uh, both organic waste and the, the edible food that is going to hopefully begin to be diverted under the law. And then um, monitor and uh, conduct enforcement. So, and I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later too. Uh, most of the law actually essentially just expands upon the current law, AB 1826. So if I'm a business or a multifamily um, within the city limits or really throughout the state, what do I need to do to comply? Well, the easiest thing you can do is just sign up for organic service. Start to source separate your food waste and your yard trimmings if you aren't already easy and you're in compliance. Um, another way you could comply is potentially backhaul or haul the organic waste yourself. If you're a business um, and that results in a very small amount of material that you produce uh, that is organics, then you could potentially qualify for a waiver under the law. Um, if you self-haul and you still produce enough organics that you, that you really should be signing up for service, our position is that you need to sign up for service regardless of your self-haul activities. And I can talk a little bit more about um, uh, the, the waivers if that's something that's interesting to you. For edible food recovery, the state has set specific um, business types um, such as supermarkets, uh, large restaurants later on, uh, some hotels, you likely do not have very many uh, uh, businesses within your jurisdiction that fall under this category. But for those businesses that do, they're required to 
recover the maximum amount of edible food possible, uh, maintain a contract in records um, to, to show that they are donating that edible food. And the implementation plan at this point in time, uh, countywide, is to coordinate with regional stakeholders to work through the details of this type of program. Uh, for inspections and enforcement, um, basic compliance monitoring, looking to make sure that, that people um, are signed up for service. Also looking, um, th this can involve somebody physically going from cart to cart, looking in the container to see if there is contamination, potentially putting notices for contamination. This is a common practice uh, elsewhere in Marin and, and in other places in the state. Now the, the state is asking everyone to do it. Um, so in response to violations in the period from now until 2024, educational materials should be pr provided. After 2024, the jurisdictions are required at a certain point to issue notices of violation that include penalties. The penalties will be the same as your administrative penalties currently. Uh, finally, procurement. Um, basically, you you know, this is to support the, the markets and it's 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 a recycled content paper and uh, the similar, um, so a compost mulch, some qualifying electricity, which is not currently available, but maybe in the future, uh, things of that nature. Uh, so um, SB 1383 does require an enforceable mechanism, which is why we, we're talking about it as a municipal code update now. And um, the basics of what would be included in the municipal code update is essentially what you are regulating businesses um, and requiring of those businesses. It's not gonna include any of the requirements of you, but it's essentially what you would then end up um, potentially enforcing in the future, which would include uh, if you find that a business is not, that you might have a green waste container, but is not sorting any of their food waste out, that's actually a violation of the municipal code. Not signing up for enough, organic service. So you just have a small cart, you really need four. Um, uh, not providing educational materials required. These are just examples. They seem nitpicky. And of course, um, you know, the intent intention would always be to work with the businesses to make sure that they understand what's required and to educate before enforcement would occur. Um, so in implementing this law, I think it's important to note that you do have the ability to, to ask your hauler to assist you in implementation of the law. And in fact, I would highly recommend doing that. You have an excellent service provider in uh, Bay City's Refuse and um, they, you know, they are well positioned to help uh, essentially conduct the vast majority of the monitoring and um, and the outreach and education and et cetera, they're already doing it. Um, there are some responsibilities that you can't designate a private hauler as, as the responsible entity for, which includes record keeping, reporting, of course, coordinating outreach, um, and then the issuance of notices of violation and penalties. Um, so we, we wanted to put the, these ideas in front of you to start, um, there's a potential of uh, you know, beginning to talk with Bay City's Refuse about 
what they're doing currently, what we can check the boxes off or on already, and what, what they can uh, potentially expand into in the future. So um, with that, that does conclude my presentation. I'm happy to take any questions that you have on this. I, I have a question, Lauren, if that's okay, unless the commission members have questions, but as I, I, well, I guess I have a question of the commission and of you, Rose. Um, I'm the city council liaison. And so I'd like to understand what role the sustainability commission would like to uh, provide in updating the municipal code to be in compliance with this new um, organic waste rule and whether you wanna, if you guys wanna write it and submit it to council, if you think it would make sense for Rose to present so the whole city is on board with what makes sense. But I wanted to get the commission's views on that it would be really helpful. I wonder, I wonder if it makes sense if we hear the second piece of the presentation from Envirolutions, because I know one of the questions that would help me answer Melissa's question is, what's the full picture that's of work that's being done? There's a scope that, that, that R3 is handling, and then there's a scope that Envirolutions is handling. And that has to do with the outreach. Um, so does that make sense, Rose and Juliana? Maybe hear the big picture, and then Melissa, when you get back with with your answer. Great. Yeah, that would that would be great. That's great with me. Um, you would you like me to just go ahead and move forward and yeah, start let, my presentation? Yeah, let's get the our presentation, and then, then we'll great. have all the information to discuss. Okay, perfect. Let me go ahead and share my screen, and uh, I will get started. Let's see here. Okay, so my name is Juliana Gerber. I am the Associate Director of Envirolutions Consulting. Um, I will discuss a little bit about who we are, a little bit of our history in Sausalito proper over the last five years, and a little bit about what we're doing in terms of our technical assistance in the community to support uh, the, the prior recycling and composting laws that already existed and how they then connect and branch into SB 1383, which you heard about from Rose. That was a great presentation, by the way, Rose, thank you. Um, so yeah, I will um, just discuss, yeah, quickly who we are, an overview. I've worked, um, you'll see a photo of there of me and doing some work for the Clipper Marina there. Um, we worked for several different years um, in, the, in the field in Sausalito. Um, we are a woman-owned local consulting firm working in the zero waste industry. We focus on technical assistance, mainly for multifamily and commercial accounts. And we provide support um, basically by, by furthering uh, recycling and compost diversion programming. Um, to kind of look back at the history that we have, um, the city has through those grant funds that have been mentioned. Um, we've been working within the city since 2017. Starting then we performed a multifamily waste audit where we basically went to a num certain number of accounts of multifamily accounts and took a look at what they were producing. Um, and we have those results, I think, you know, th that would have been presented already to several years, years back and also on your website still. Uh, 2018 and 19, technical assistance to multifamily, to those multifamily accounts and to certain marinas to address the contaminated issues we had found during the 2017 audit. Um, we wanted to focus at that time a lot on marinas and we did get a good Good amount um, into compliance at that time. 2020, um, Alejandra, my, my colleague, she'll discuss this, but she worked with you all on the council to develop and implement the plastic bag ban. And I'll let her speak to that a little bit later. 
And this year we were tasked with trying to provide you know, this bridge between the work that still needed to be done in the recycling and composting elements of the prior laws and how we'd be able to provide, um, get people signed up for the service that they don't have if they don't have it and providing the outreach and education very specifically to people to understand what SB 1383 is. And that piece is mainly, what's really important about 1383 and how it's different is that we now need to train and educate people about how to properly sort their material. It's not just enough to tell them that they have to do it. We have to explain to them why it's important to do how and how to do it. So that's what we're trying to um, get done right now, you know, to start out in the community with, um, with even discussing 1383. BCRS, your hauler um, provided education and information already to the community in the form of a, a flyer, a mailer. So everyone received that, whether they actually looked at that or not. I mean, that's typical, right? Um, so people were, you know, some were had heard, had heard nothing and were interested in hearing more about, of course, about what the law was and how they would be able to comply. And we'll speak to that a little bit. Um, we also will provide some route review, the, the methodology and guidance on some educational materials and signage moving forward. So those are what we're tasked with as, as Envirolutions for these grant funds. Um, the progress so far that we have for this task, task one was technical assistance for the prior laws and for the current coming law at 1383. We uh, created a target list with the city, with the city um, for commercial accounts that didn't have either recycling or organic service or both. And we've already created that list. Obviously, we've been working off of that list of targets. Um, we've now provided and are in progress with, and will probably, that will continue until the end of the grant, technical assistance in the form of site visits, um, discussing directly with property managers what the, what the regulation is, making sure that they have the proper signage, um, different stickering on their bins if they don't have them, um, and even doing training within. So that's been really wonderful too. Alejandra will speak to that also. Um, we had 28 focused, 28 accounts that we really wanted to focus on. 24 out of the 28 have received from us directly this 1383 handout. It was the handout that BCRS had created. So we just brought that out with us. Um, either we've given it to them via email, which are only a few, and we had a lot that we gave out in person. Um, 12 accounts have received in-person training for the actual placement of cans. Another piece of this uh, regulation is that businesses need to actually comply with providing trash recycling and compost in areas if they are generated in those areas. So if you go into a lobby of a place and you're generating paper as a customer, as a contractor, whomever, or an employee, you need to have a place to put that. And we need to see the signage there that shows you that it needs to be there. Um, what's interesting about that is of course, how, how can we always confirm or deny that people are generating what they're generating, where they're generating it. Um, another piece that we'll discuss in a bit is this organics waiver. Um, will, will Sausalito have one? And um, I'm looking forward to hearing about that, how that's going to be developed and what those guidelines will actually be. The guideline from the state is that there should be a waiver based on this very small amount of generation, but we don't have any specifics yet on that. From those accounts that we've spoken to, a handful of them are already saying, hey, we don't generate enough um, and we're going to apply for this waiver whenever there is one. 
Uh, task two is designing the methodology for conducting the route audits. And one thing um, that will be really wonderful for us at Envirolutions is to actually have some sort of um, dialogue with R3 because R3 is doing so much and they are so well, um, well knowledged about 1383 and about a lot of more of the legislative components of the mechanisms of such. So it'll be really wonderful to speak with them more about that. Um, we have already procured the route information from BCRS and we are going to utilize one of several methodologies outlined by CalRecycle. I already have that basically in draft format and I will be providing that soon to Elena for review. Um, we'll have a sampling guideline there and time estimated for those annual audits. Um, this route audit and understanding the route audit could be something that we discuss uh, right now, or it could be discussed a little bit later, but basically what the law speaks to is that every year your, your hauler with the city needs to basically provide this, um, needs to understand what is being generated, how people are not in compliance, and then basically provide that information in a very organized reported format to CalRecycle, which is the state agency. Um, so all of this, this whole methodology is in progress. Again, um, will be provided soon to Elena. And task three is the guidance for new signage pursuant to these 1383 regulations. BCRS has already done a really beautiful uh, new design, well, populated new, new collateral, and we still need to look at that and really review that in a formal way. Um, but we have a few more months to do that, but we will make recommendations based on what it would, what exists currently. Um, Alejandra is our, is my colleague and she's done a lot of really wonderful outreach to the restaurants um, in Sausalito, a few of them uh, who are not in compliance yet. And so she is going to speak to that right now. Alejandra? Yeah, I just want everyone to take a little break, breathe deeply. <sighs> How did this happen? So no worries, we're here to help you. We're really good at collaborating. So I'm really looking forward to discussing with R3. We even took a little bit of the project that Alina and Freddie were working on. So we're really happy to show you the results, give you a little bit of hope and show you that you guys are on track. So I just wanted to share this awesome picture from a seafood peddler. I'm sure all of you know it, the place is gigantic. So I had the chance to do a walkthrough with both managers. They're super concerned to be in compliance. That's always helpful when you get the letter from the city saying you have to do things. So thank you for that. Uh, we had the chance to walk around with them, show them that for every single area, they needed a different container, basically. So what Juliana was saying was, if you're in the kitchen, you need organics. If you're in an area with an office, you're gonna need a container for uh, recycling. So just providing that information so they know. They were walking around with a notepad, making sure that they had everything right, making sure they had the signs, making sure they had the stickers and decals to be in compliance. We also had a chance to train about eight workers in the kitchen. I heard somewhere that 90% of California kitchens have workers that speak Spanish. And in my experience, that's true. <laughs> so it's really important that we provide uh, the education that people really can connect with. It is a really extremely complicated subject. It's not as clear as saying organics go here, recycling goes here. It is really complex for them. There's a lot of contamination with masks, with gloves. The pandemic made everything 
even more difficult. So having the chance to speak with them personally and give them a little bit of hope and, and provide the materials for them to be educated has been extremely helpful. We also had a great uh, interaction with Taste of Rome. Uh, they've been keeping up with the foodware materials too and making sure that we're training their staff. Uh, some of them even spoke Mayan, so I don't speak Mayan, so Spanish, <laughs> Spanish was close enough uh, for some of them. Uh, we discussed the compostable posters, we discussed the recycling, the difference between all of them, and especially the difference between the materials required by the foodware ordinance that we'll talk about that in a moment. But I just wanted you to know that um, the staff is being helpful, businesses have been helpful, and we're still planning on doing some more staff training. Juliana. Thank you, Alejandra. Yes, we need that. We need to know why we're doing what we're doing and that what we're doing actually makes a difference and making the connection in the kitchen, speaking languages that people actually speak so that we can actually understand what we're doing and why we're doing it is crucial. So thank you so much, Alejandra. You bring so much to our team. I'm very grateful. Um, our last steps of my, my slide of my presentation is basically we're gonna finalize that route review that I mentioned. Um, I'll have that to the city within a couple of weeks. Review all the collateral that we that BCRS and or Sausalito have already generated. So that's also an interesting piece with 1383. You know, how much of this, how much does Sausalito want to do? How much can they do? Um, what will BCRS do? How can you do it together? How do we have the same messaging? That's been something that's been very important from the beginning of this particular grant. How do we make sure that we're all saying the same thing? and um, who's responsible for saying it. Uh, we want to finalize all of our outreach and training and cart ordering and the signage installation by the end of our project. We definitely, you know, a good amount of time is spent just trying to get in touch with people, right? So finally get someone, it takes three months to get that appointment on the books. And um, especially now with COVID kind of firing back up. So it's been been challenging, but we're, we're really happy about our progress. Um, our final project report is due, um, I think just right around June. And so we're looking, looking forward to just continuing the work with the city. We're so grateful to continue our work and there's a lot to be done. It's gonna be, I, I feel very motivated though and, and heartened because I think with our three, brought on and, and you're all, all of your buy-in as the sustainability commission, I think you guys are definitely well positioned. So thank you so much. Um, I believe Alejandra, you have one more slide here that you'd like to share. Yes, I'm taking off my Envirolutions hat and putting on my Plastic Free Future hat. <laughs> uh, I am the co-founder of a small nonprofit, it's called Plastic Free Future, and we are supporting Alina and Freddie with this little bit of work that they had left. Uh, so we're kind of uh, balancing the SB 1383 visits with a little bit of uh, materials here and there, making sure that businesses, restaurants, and coffee shops are well-educated regarding materials. We are really sad to walk into a restaurant, having people uh, get a box full of uh, bioplastics and compostable plastics and tell us, don't worry, we have compostables. And I'm like, uh, about that. <laughs> so it, it's really sad that um, they, they, they spent some money on that, but we're here to support you. So they feel 
relief when we walk in and they know that they have the support. I keep hearing again and again, the city has to spend money educating the public and educating businesses because it is complicated. So uh, that's the feedback we've been getting. They're also really concerned about the fact that vendors, and I talked to um, Elena about this uh, a few weeks ago, vendors are allowed to sell bioplastics and compostable plastics in Marine, in Sausalito, and they trust them. So if you ask for materials and they tell you, don't worry, this is compostable, of course they're going to trust the vendor because that's their job to provide the material that you're supposed to have. Unfortunately, that's not happening. There's a lot of confusion. So we are walking into restaurants and coffee shops with the actual materials telling them, look, it has to look like this, exactly like this. It has to be compostable fiber. It has to be wooden utensils. There's no other option. If it looks like plastic, if it feels like plastic, that's not the right option. So I'm just really happy that we're being able to provide that assistance. Elena was super helpful to print those posters for us. So we're just distributing those posters everywhere. And it keeps a little bit, um, it, it leaves uh, space for conversation between businesses and customers because businesses sometimes feel like they get the pressure of the ordinance, but with the poster there, they can point at the poster and say, it's coming from the city. It's not, it's not my fault. So it's really helpful for businesses to have these materials and to be able to have the conversation with customers. So thank you again for having us tonight. And that's it from EnviroLutions and Plastic for Future. Thank you. Uh, any questions? Welcome. Thank you so much, everyone. Rose and Alejandra and Juliana. Um, it's a lot, right? It's... <laughs> But you guys are doing such a good job and we really appreciate it. And I love the story of, you know, the carryover from what Alina and Freddie and Mary were doing, you know, starting two years ago. And, and I can imagine that as we move into the next years to come, we're going to be constantly trying to figure out this outreach and training thing, because the fact is, every one of us is probably going to go home and or go, you know, to a friend's house. Uh, and be dealing with the question of looking at our hands and saying, where do I put this? And until we can figure that out just in our own personal lives, you know, then you, it complicates it with the restaurants. So, you know, it just brings to question about, you know, what types of webinars can we offer the public? I know we talked about this a little bit when we were going through the scope work with Envirolutions, but you know, it, there's only so much that can be done with the amount of grant money that we have this year. I just want to keep the, the dialogue open and with Greg and Kim as well at Bay Cities. When can we get this training to the masses in the community would be, you know, my question. And are you thinking about that? So where can we sort of go beyond the mailers, go beyond the signage and give people the opportunity to do what, what I know I've done with Greg before when I've seen him. Greg, what about this one? Where's this go? I mean, people lead me to actually... You know, they could, we could have a Zoom call where people go from their kitchen and say, what about this? I mean, it needs to be that tactile. Um, do you, have you been speaking about any of those opportunities or not? Or do you see, do you see a way forward to do that? You know, even if you're looking out a year from now, is that the type of thing do you think we're gonna need and plan for? Um, Lauren, I'm not sure if you're asking Kim and Greg or if you're asking kind of the teams as I, it were. I think the teams, you guys have, are dealing with this. So 
I guess it's the lessons learned and I know you're in it, you know, we're, we're, we're doing it everywhere in California now. So we don't necessarily have a lessons learned yet, but yeah, actually we know. do, we do because, um, this is new for many municipalities and for counties, but there are many counties that have been dealing with this for many, many years. San Francisco is one of them. So I'm used to giving those trainings day and night, <laughs> literally like showing me this little bit of paper. Is this too small to recycle? Yes, it is too small to recycle. So yes, we are used to giving all those trainings. Uh, it's really helpful when you divide them in one for recycling, one for composting, and maybe at, at the end people can ask questions because to us, it's pretty obvious recycling, composting, but when you're talking about recycling and recycling of organics, things get really confusing for, let's say normal people that are not in the sustainability world. So yes, it, that's definitely an option that, um, in my opinion has to happen. And also a different workshop that has to happen is the one educating the public about what they're gonna be finding in restaurants and coffee shops, the materials and why. Uh, a lot of people are not happy with the paper straws. They tell me they break down in 15 minutes and I tell them, and that's exactly why you have it because it actually breaks down in 15 minutes. Otherwise it's gonna be in the planet forever. So educating the people what's behind these decisions, these laws, these ordinances gives them a little bit of confidence and participation instead of uh, making them feel like it's the dictatorship landing. Yeah. Okay, so we'll, we'll keep that as a conversation to keep having because we need to figure out, you know, how can we get, how can we get the education to the whole city staff, right? Uh, you know, train the trainer type stuff, right? All of us on the commission should be able to ask those questions and know we're supposed to be the, the faces of sustainability out there in the community. We should be able to, you know, know those answers. And I know I'm, we can do that easily and happily over lunch, uh, you know, make it simple, make it peaceful and joyous. <laughs> it won't yeah. be like a hard thing to do. We can definitely just get together and do something like that for the commission. That would be, that would happily be able to pull that together. And I, I you know, we've had obviously COVID pulled us all apart even further. People don't want to get together to, you know, have these, these events, but I, I would love yeah. to have a big event in downtown Sausalito. You have the benefit of being such a small town you have such a community. It's already just built in. Um, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a place where I can see a lot of that downtown fair festival kind of energy being where we can just continually focus on. Um, but you know, again, any walk of life, people don't know how to recycle or compost. You can have education for 35 years. And so that's why it's, it's hard, but we continue to do it but we need new ways still of trying to like change the conversation. And so I think that's why you're all here, right? You're all part of the sustainability vision. So. Yeah. And so, before, if I can just uh, jump in here for a moment, I think it's going to be important to discuss uh, outreach um, and education um, leading up to January 1st, 2024, when the city is responsible for enforcing our ordinance, um, which before we move uh, too far uh, beyond. I want to talk about some dates coming up, uh, just so that everyone's aware of the milestones that we're that we're working towards. Uh, February first is a deadline for applying for a local assistance grant that we are uh, hoping to get to use the funds for our compliance for this year and into next year. Um, and in order to uh, qualify for that grant, we have to pass uh, our ordinance and a resolution. 
um, granting uh, staff the ability to apply for the grant um, by April 1st. Uh, so we have some deadlines that we're trying to make um, coming up in the next couple of months, bringing items to city council. And that's why we're going to be bringing a draft ordinance to the Sustainability Commission so that we can get input on it before we take it to city council. So at your next meeting of the Sustainability Commission, we're hoping to bring uh, a robust draft um, that R3 is going to be helping us to prepare uh, for review. Um, another uh, date to keep in mind is there's a notice of intent to comply um, that is gonna go to Color Cycle. Uh, and this is going to basically, uh, Sausalito isn't 100% in compliance uh, on the on the timeframe that Color Cycle has laid out in SB 1383, but they've allowed us, because of COVID, they've allowed us this, um, this pathway to um, commit to compl full compliance uh, by the end of the calendar year, but we have to have it passed uh, through city council. And that is on the calendar for, on um, the consent calendar for February 15th um, to go to the city council. The full ordinance is on the calendar to go for its first reading to city council on March 8th. Um, and so we're, we're kind of on a tight deadline to get some, some drafts completed and through um, Sustainability Commission, Legislative uh, Committee, and onto the City Council for their first reading. So if you, um, the sooner we can, you know, get engaged with the information and have uh, input for R3 as they draft our ordinance for us, the, the better. Um, and sorry for that segue into the, the meat and potatoes of the next couple of months, but I wanted to make everyone aware of where we're at. Thanks, I mean, that's great. I think that's actually a lot, a big piece of the answer to Melissa's question um, and just understanding what's it, right, Melissa, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just wanted to, because now I'm on agenda setting so I can actually help decide when we hear these things, which will be really helpful for us. And so knowing the April 1st deadline, I, we can really push that and just, but we do need, that would mean at the next, your next meeting, you'd have to fully review and have feedback and send it to agenda set. And we'd have to assume that that feedback would be provided at the presentation at council the following Tuesday or whenever to make sure we get it on the agenda. March 8th is the first reading you're saying, Elena, potentially? Yeah, we wanna get it to first reading on March 8th and the second reading on March uh, 22nd. I can't. I can't imagine that it wouldn't be a consent calendar item, given that it's a requirement of the state for us to establish this municipal code. Um, Rose, maybe you know if other if other cities have kept this on consent or if it's been heard as a business item just in terms of process. Absolutely happy to answer that question. So um, uh, it does depend to a certain extent on uh, some of the foundational documents for the, the city itself. So that could be a question for the city clerk to answer in terms of if it's possible to put it on consent. Sometimes it isn't because it is a public hearing adjusting your municipal code. So there are different procedures for different cities, but I am aware of at least one city who has put it on consent um, and, and, and sort of skipped over. I mean, there, there's an advantage also to, you know, and just like you, that city did go through an extensive like pre-council process with the right. commission as well. Um, so there's certainly uh, advantages to it. It's just, it in some cases, not possible. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not like I don't think it's important for the community to be aware of the code. I could see where there's an argument to be made for it to absolutely be a public hearing item as well. It's more about if we're operating on a timeline and we're thinking about when it can get on the agenda, if it needed to go on consent as a emergency procedure, essentially. So, but I mean, we can see what makes the most sense and what the draft looks like and I'll work with agenda setting to make sure we meet the timeline for April 1st. Um, and just so you're aware, Melissa, for that for that um, legislative committee, we're hoping we'll meet no later than the 25th. That is the noticing deadline, also the 25th for the 8th. So legislative Great. committee needs to meet 25th or earlier. Great. I should be in those meetings too now. So that's helpful too. Excellent. Does anyone have any questions for our presenters? I don't have a question, but I figured I should chime in since we're <laughs> a big part of this. I just wanted to say that for us, putting the carts in place or getting the three cart system in place was a huge deal. And then everything fell in place. Sorry, I look like this if we're still at work. Um, and uh, so everything fell into place from there. We were able to move forward with the public education. I mean, we have up stickers that we put out if people aren't doing stuff right. I mean, we were, some of the stuff was being held back. We had the whole carts with the finalized with the cart. So that part got us really going on on the SB 1383 even besides you know kind of re-educating people on a program that we've had in place since 2012 on the food waste and you know so uh, and then circling back with everybody on the businesses um, has been helpful so that's that's that cart piece was huge for us getting getting going and we're we're willing to do whatever we have to do. I want to say um, uh, Greg and Kim have been amazing to work with um, and you make this all look and feel easy. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Juliana, you had a Hi, Greg. <laughs> These are the hardest working people I've ever met. Greg and Kim Christie, I swear. <laughs> I like, I call them at five in the morning. They're there. 5 p.m. <laughs> They're there. I mean, it's like, okay but they're so smiling the whole time. So anyway, you guys are the best. I love working with you. Thank you so much. And I just wanted to just kind of give a, a shout out to the city in that, you know, as Elena likes to say, I've heard her say, and it's fantastic, building the plane while you're flying it. That's what SB 1383 really has been for these jurisdictions. And so, you know, we are behind it, but we're at, at the same time, we're, we're ahead. We're doing really, really well today where we are. So I just kind of wanted to give credit. Elena has been working very, very, very hard. And Lauren, thank you for chairing this committee. Well, I mean, thank you so much. And because the the commission, you know, I know when we were first speaking, you know, there was the commission, I guess, i.e. me, because our previous waste subcommittee folks left. So, you know, we're, we're sort of looking to, to me for the waste subcommittee for guidance. And it's like, we are not we are not the client here. This is the city now. It is over to the city. So I guess my final question is just because this is very much a city implementation project now, is there anything other than Elena, you needing the commission to weigh in when you bring things to us? Is there any other way that we can be helpful to, to any of you right now that we're missing an opportunity on? Not that I'm particularly aware of, if Juliana and Rose have any ideas um, about how we can, you know, support the process, It'd be great. 
I actually had a kind of a question and uh, Juliana, you actually brought this up in the, the presentation. I think it's an interesting question because it is a policy consideration that we're considering when we're pulling together the municipal code. Um, and, and so if you just had any thoughts or, um, uh, you know, uh, comments on this topic, I think I would welcome that. Um, so the, uh, the existing requirements, as I understand it, is uh, that everyone must subscribe to organic waste collection services, period. And in other cities that I've worked with, they um, have incorporated the SB 1383 aligned waiver system, um, which is, it's pretty small uh, amounts of organic waste. So in many cases, it's, it's very, very few businesses that actually end up qualifying for the SB 1383 waivers. So I do find that to be protective. Um, uh, but you you know there is a there is a decision to be made in terms of if you do want to allow for those waivers, and I can give you a little bit more information about what the waivers really look like. So um, for a, a standard generator, probably in Sausalito, you would have to generate less um, or more than two, 20 gallons of organic waste. So if you think of those big Home Depot sort of um, buckets, you know, that's a 10 gallon bucket. So it's 20 gallons. Um, and, and that's if they have like an actual dumpster in their back. Um, so that's probably a restaurant. Many other businesses are, are you know, uh, may also cov be covered and, and not allowed to receive the waiver either. Um, and so, but, but it is sort of, if you allow for the waiver, um, of course, people can subscribe regardless of if they qualify for the waiver too. They can always opt in. Um, but if they want to opt out, it's an opportunity to get what looks like compliance from CalRecycle's perspective um, while accommodating businesses that may not find it feasible or practical to participate. And and I, I want to I clarify there for... Um, for Rose, this is one of the things that we've been wondering whether or not we would allow. At the present time, Sausalito doesn't allow anyone to not have a uh, full subscription to the trash service. Um, and that's, and you may not know that the brothers, that can be kind of unique uh, because most of uh, Sausalito already has trash service a lot in a lot of municipalities. Um, part of the struggle with uh, 1383 compliance is, is getting uh, full subscription um, amongst uh, all of the waste generators in the city and to offer waivers to um, businesses or, or residents would be um, a, a slight departure from our past policy of making everyone comply with um, subscription. Um, so that would be kind of a, a new thing. Um, and there are two, there are a couple of reasons why, you know, they may not, they could, you know, uh, uh, apply for a waiver once de minimis, they don't have, they don't generate enough. Uh, the other one is a physical space constraint. Like they could, they don't have enough space to have uh, compost cans, and that I don't think that that's going to be a very common concern. Um, so we're mostly talking about de minimis for businesses that don't generate enough compost. Um, but that, yeah. So, and and just in the interest of time, because I do want to wrap up and get to the next speaker. Um, the this would be something I think that you know if there is a 
something that it's on the table for decision, that understanding that everyone else in Marin County is going through this and, and bringing data to us, to the council that says this is what everyone else is doing. So we know if we're an outlier, or if we're a leader, or if we're somewhere in the middle, those are the types of times where I think advocating for the countywide uh, push on this and consistency would be a good idea. Especially when you're dealing with businesses, take Equator Coffee, right? They've got one here, they've got one in Mill Valley, they've got one, you know, in other places. Are, are they doing the same thing in each of their branches? Um, you know, I think we need to look at it as a county as well as a city, but, uh, you know, with this is getting into the weeds stuff too, but we could talk about this all day long, I'm sure. Um, okay, so um, thank you. Uh, I think we'll wrap up this topic now if there aren't any other questions. And um, do we need to go to public comment on, on speaker presentations, Lena? Um, I think since it's such a big item, we probably should. Um, so at this time, if anyone would like to make a public comment, please raise your hand in the Zoom application. I see no hands raised. Okay. Rose, Liana, Alejandra, Greg and Kim, thank you so much for your presentations and your work. And we will see you soon and uh, look forward to hearing more great updates from you. Thank you, thank you for so giving me the excuse to go spend a sunny day in Sausalito. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Enjoy uh, your evening. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you. All right. Next up, we have MCE. And thank you for waiting. Um, uh, you've learned more about waste uh, than I'm sure you expected this evening. Uh, and, and you're going to be speaking to us today about the Bayside MLK Resilience Hub Plan, which I am very excited to hear about, speaking for myself. And um, so over, over to you, um, Greg, did you want to introduce? Yeah, I just want to uh, thank MCE again for all their work. And, and um, I want to make, introduce Sebastian as the person who's going to present today. And, and obviously, um, Sean is there and Brett is there as well. But just in case you don't know, Marine Clean Energy, the former name, was the first government entity to be established to procure clean energy on behalf of its communities. And so that was established here in Marin County. Marin Clean Energy was the first now called MCE because they've now grown quite a bit beyond Marin County. And they established the uh, government agency model for how this would work for the state. And now it's grown to other states as well. So it's an incredibly important um, moment in history for how we procure clean energy for ourselves, for us as communities. And now MCE is doing a bunch of other stuff on behalf of communities, including energy efficiency and EV charging uh, subsidies and installations and uh, adding storage to places for creating resilience hubs. And it's a fantastic you know, way to, to, to advance and, and innovate in the world of energy. So I'm gonna leave it now to Sebastian and the team there to present on a, a resilience hub for the, the Bayside MLK Academy here in our zip code. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you, Greg. And I'll just say that we couldn't advance and innovate in this field without the partnership of our member communities like Sausalito. So really thrilled to be here tonight. Um, let me go ahead and share my screen real quick. 
All right. Can y'all see okay? Yes. And just to confirm, can you see my notes? No. All right, good. We'll go ahead and dive in then. So good evening, folks. Uh, again, really thrilled to be here tonight at the Sausalito Sustainability Commission. My name is Sebastian Kahn, and I serve as Community Development Manager as part of our public affairs team at MCE. And I'm joined tonight by a few of my colleagues, uh, Sean Sevilla and Brett Wiley, who are on our customer programs team. Uh, Sean's responsible for managing the energy storage program, and Brett, as some of you have worked with before, is our resident EV specialist here at MCE. Um, tonight, we're here to share with you some updates about a very exciting project that we're partnering with the Sausalito Marin City School District on in an effort to bring solar paired with battery storage to the Bayside MLK Academy. Uh, it's a brief presentation and really just wanted to fill you in on some of the recent conversations that have been taking place. Um, so we'll dive in. So a little background about the project itself and the impetus for it. Um, we know that in 2019, when we had some of the multi-day-long PSPS events here in Marin, uh, undeserved communities were particularly hard hit, you know, in Marin City specifically, that were folks that were out of power for up to five days. And with that in mind, and since that time, MCE and a number of other stakeholder groups have begun to ask ourselves, how do we support energy resiliency infrastructure in some of these communities while also working at a grassroots level to deliver projects that are both community-led and community-centered. And so in early 2021, we brought together community leaders, technical experts, and funding partners to explore what the process of building uh, solar plus battery storage projects would look like in Marin County. And so the problem that communities across our service area are grappling with is how do we avoid prepare for and minimize the effects of power outages in a way that's not only cost effective, but green as well. How do we decrease our resilience on, or our reliance rather on diesel generators uh, while ensuring that we can still keep the power on during emergencies. And the solution, as I think many of you here at the Sustainability Commission might agree on is we think it's solar paired with battery storage. Um, and there's a number of different stakeholders working on that very issue. So for the purposes of the Marin City project that we'll dive into a little bit more detail on a bit later in the presentation, uh, I do wanna highlight some of the key partners that are working on community-led energy resiliency initiatives in Marin. The first of which is the Climate Center who MCE partnered with to explore community outreach and engagement best practices. Um, and so the Climate Center actually applied for and received a grant through the county in 2020 to provide energy resilience programs that would pair rooftop solar with battery storage in low-income communities, uh, which is a shared priority of MCE. Uh, likewise, in 2020, we launched our energy storage program, which offers reduced cost energy storage systems to customers uh, with an emphasis on critical facilities. You can think of schools, fire stations, police stations, community hubs, and the like. And as part of our program, uh, the energy storage program, we work with a number of qualified solar and storage vendors, including MBL Energy, who will actually be installing the project at Bayside MLK. Additionally, since 2012, MCE has prioritized income qualified solar installations through Grid Alternatives, who is our workforce development partner, um, who we're working with on this project as well. And last but not least, the Marin Community Foundation approved a two-year grant um, with MCE through the Buck Family Fund 
which will make funding energy resilience projects like the one at Bayside MLK possible. And you heard me mention a bit earlier uh, that we brought together community leaders in 2021. And this slide outlines that process a bit. So beginning really in the first quarter of last year, we worked with the Climate Center to form a stakeholder advisory committee in Marin City, uh, made up of community stakeholders to identify potential project sites and give guidance to what the community needs in terms of energy resilience. We held three Zoom meetings in April and May of last year with this committee. Uh, as well as representatives from the school district to determine what are the critical needs and shared values in Marin City. And in doing that, we narrowed down our target sites for a solar plus storage project uh, based on a set of agreed upon criteria between both the community leaders and some of the technical project partners that attended those meetings. Um, and so we determined that the site we would ultimately choose would be a critical facility with shared community spaces one that has experienced PSPS events previously. Uh, the site would be a property with one meter, uh, which makes installation easier, both from a technical and regulatory standpoint. And we also wanted to prioritize newer buildings to minimize upgrade costs. Um, you know, if you need to do significant upgrades to an electrical panel or install solar on a really old roof, uh, that can present some challenges. And so with some of that criteria in mind, multiple sites were considered in Marin City, but ultimately we were able to narrow down the site selection to three specific uh, potential projects at the Bayside MLK Academy, the Manzanita Community Center, and the Cornerstone Community Church. And ultimately Bayside MLK was chosen as the priority site for a number of different reasons. It's centrally located in Marin City, it's a large gathering space. Uh, its main building can uh, is about 7,000 square feet. It's ADA accessible. It has a large commercial kitchen. Uh, really the potential to care for the most vulnerable during an emergency situation. And I think that was what really stood out about it, Bayside MLK. Um, with that being said, and now that you have an understanding of the site selection process, uh, a little bit of background on MCE's energy storage program. So our program is of course intended to increase resiliency during outages, making sure folks can keep the power on. Uh, but it also offers our customers bill savings during blue sky operations by reducing energy demand. The batteries, as some of you may be familiar with, can shift load and draw power from the grid at times when it's the least expensive to do so, uh, all, while, all while lowering emissions by using power that's been generated from on-site solar. And for those of you that wanna dive a little bit deeper into the load shifting piece, there's a couple of different use cases for battery storage. The first of which is daily peak load management, which basically means the battery will charge from onsite solar prior to 4 p.m. And then between four to 9 p.m. when energy is both the most expensive and dirty on the grid, the battery will actually discharge and essentially run the power in the building from the solar that it generated on site in the daytime. Uh, so that's one use case. The second use case is in the event of a PSPS event, uh, when a PSPS is called, the battery will stop performing that daily peak load management and charge to full capacity uh, in anticipation of the power shutoff. And the third use case is during an unplanned outage, the battery will begin charging um, and the integrated system will prioritize essentially uh, the, the, the real essential electricity requirements 
And as you can imagine, this technology is beneficial not only to the school district, but nonprofit organizations across Marin that are interested in the continuity of operations when there are power outages. So that's why through our partnership with the Marin Community Foundation, uh, we're working on similar projects at four other sites across the county, including the Bolinas Community Center, Marin Community Clinics in Novato, the Lago Vida School Districts, and the ESSA Marin Food Bank in San Rafael. Um, but more about the Bayside MLK site, in terms of technical specs for the project, we're going to be installing a 40 kilowatt solar canopy, which is represented by that purple, blue, indigo uh, kind of block in the upper left-hand corner of the image. And the reason that we went, with, we went with the solar canopy instead of rooftop solar is that our program vendor, MBL Energy, uh, does have a pre-approved canopy configuration through DSA, the Division of the State Architect, uh, which we're hoping can streamline the installation a bit and make the project a reality sooner than later. And the 40 kilowatt solar system will be paired with 125 kilowatt battery. And by our estimates, with some of the load management that I spoke a little bit about, uh, that will actually be able to provide 15 hours of backup power to the school, which is enough to get them through the day and recharge when the sun is up the next day. Uh, which ideally would be a continuous cycle. Uh, just some additional benefits of the proposal. Uh, it's coordinated with the school's master plan in mind. We, we really wanted to build the canopy in a place that's both within the school boundaries um, and also taking into consideration any future renovations to the campus the school district has planned. And the project is also going to be EV ready. So what that means, of course, the intention with the project is to deliver a solar and storage integrated resiliency solution. But at the same time, we recognize the community is looking for EV charging too. And so while the canopy is being constructed, it's relatively easy for MBL, our program vendor, uh, to lay conduit and conduct some wire prep to enable future level two charging infrastructure at the site. So if the school were to install charging infrastructure, uh, it would be eligible for some great re rebates and incentives, both through MCE and the Trans Transportation Authority of Marin. So that's a, a really high level overview of some of our work on the energy storage program at MCE and also the work that we're doing at, at Bayside MLK right now. Um, this was not included in the presentation, but pleased to say that the school districts, uh, the school board had actually um, voted to move forward with the projects and ultimately um, if there's no hiccups, execute a contract with MBL to begin the project this year. Uh, so we're really thrilled about that and uh, happy to answer any questions that you all might have. That's great. Thank you, Sebastian. Um, thank you uh, for, and, and to Brett and Sean, of course, for being here and for, for your patience uh, to, to present. And I just wanted to tie this back to the commission. So um, as a reminder, sort of as a, uh, statement of record, we had gone through and prioritized where we wanted resilience hubs, where we wanted to, to see solar and storage put on properties here in our area so that we could achieve the goals that Sebastian just articulated well. 
And guess what was at the top of our list as the Energy Subcommittee and then the, the Commission? It was the Bayside MLK School. So when MCE um, came back and said, yep, we're going to be doing it at the Bayside MLK School, we, we basically said, that's fantastic. That's at the top of our list as the Sustainability Commission for Sausalito and the, the zip code of 94965. So it's really great that um, we are in support of this. We, we claimed that this was the most important location and that MC has now made it happen. So thank you. Mark has a question or comment? Uh, yes, I was wondering if the solar canopy is, is like it showed in your slide with the uh, uh, car parking and charging underneath. Is that correct? That will be correct. Yeah, there's there's no, um, there'll be parking underneath it and it's it's not, we don't have the EV stations installed yet, but it would be EV ready. And I guess that's a question. Is there anything we can do to, to help support the next step to include chargers at some point? I mean, you guys have a um, uh, fund for that as well as TAM. Together, they essentially cover the cost of chargers. So there, there may not be a cost to anyone for adding chargers or anyway, you can let us know what the status is of that and if there's something we can do to help with that. Yeah, uh, I saw Sean unmute, so I'll, I'll defer to my customer programs colleagues here. Yeah, uh, well, first I was just going to comment on the question about uh, how that canopy is shown. So, so yeah, that's that's just a conceptual placement. Um, but you know, after MBL signs a contract with the school district, they'll go into their actual design phase, um, and then based on on you know any additional engineering constraints to identify, they'll select an actual uh, physical canopy size and. Uh, final placement for that canopy there um, near that parking. Uh, you know, I think of two things that just to mention with that location is that is um, that is public parking where that canopy is shown uh, on the street there. Um, but there is there's one other thing which is that that is a public walkway. Um, and so you know if if uh, if and when EV charging is considered, uh, that that is a consideration um, to be made. Um, you know by what whichever vendor. Uh, you know, if, if that, you know, if the district, the school district wants to do that portion of the project, uh, that is a consideration they'll just want to work out with their vendor um, or, or a selected vendor. And I could, I could add some context there. The, <clears throat> Greg, what you mentioned is correct. The, the average cost of uh, EV charging per port in our program would mostly um, with the MC incentive and the TAM incentive would mostly cover the average cost. Now, um, it helps that in this project, the trenching and conduit, it's already going to be pulled from the solar project. So the cost could actually be lower than expected. Um, and the two to four ports mentioned is just a minimum. Um, what in our program, what we really like to see is what's called right sizing the project. So our technical assistance provider will go out to the site look at what's the maximum possibility and then come back and with the budget that in this case, the school district has plus the incentives that are on the table, figure out what's gonna work to, to maximize the availability of charging. Um, right now, city of Sausalito, um, just looking at PlugShare, which if you all haven't looked at PlugShare and you're not sure about EVs, I'd encourage you just look at PlugShare.com and see the availability of chargers and Marin County, um, Sausalito is a charging desert. You have one publicly available charging port. And so maximizing the number of chargers when you have a project like this, you know, if 
if you're doing a home renovation and you tear out your walls and then later in, you know, you want to add electrical, that's going to be more expensive. So we want to, when we're thinking about projects and the, the trenching is already happening, we want to right size it now to not increase costs for a future, say, um, upgrade of a site. So those are just things to consider and think about and, you know, work with the school district to, uh, to put sort of the right sizing mindset into place when this project moves forward. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Brett. And um, we have on our list of things to do to work with the MCEP EV readiness plan for the county with Christina O'Rourke and others. And so um, that's another topic, but it's one of those topics where we intend to make sure that we are no longer <laughs> a desert for chargers. And we wanna do that in, in collaboration with the county for where you know, public charging would go, but also have our input on where we think it should go for our city. And so this is one of those cases where maybe we're, uh, well, you can tell me if the timing makes sense for us to plug this in <laughs> literally to the EV readiness plan, or if there's some separate initiative we can do to make sure that the Bayside MLK project includes chargers. I have a question. Um, first, thank you, um, Sebastian, Brett, Sean. It's really exciting what is planned. Um, I thought maybe, I don't know if the, the timing is right now that the, the board has approved and, and it's set to start. One of the challenges we have, so, you know, as you know, this site is not within Sausalito city limits. So it is technically not within our purview to do, you know, um, some decision-making on that we might be able to do within city limits. But one of the things that we prioritized is, you know, and we have an opening for a 94965 liaison to this commission. Um, it, it might be a great opportunity as you start to engage with the people in Marin City who are doing the work we're doing. I understand there's pockets of these people doing that work. We don't know each other. We're looking to know each other. We're looking to be together as a community in helping bring this to life. Um, and, and I would say, because this is not in our technical jurisdiction, that we would want them to take the lead and say, you know, here's how we could use your help, Sausalito, next door neighbors. So we're sort of in this unique position of wanting to help, having EV readiness plans, wanting to, but also. It's not our it's not our town technically, um, so you know we're completely open and eager to fill that nine four nine six five liaison spot to get to know the community in any way we can. So I'm just throwing that out there as 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 something that we've had on our agenda for a long time. And if you can help us meet the right people, and if this project to, could be that opportunity for us to convene together as communities that don't know each other well, then I'm all for it. And I don't know if anyone else has any other ideas or if Greg, you've thought about the, the you know, what we can and cannot do being in Sausalito, not in the-, in the Yeah. Well, we had a really, thanks to Sebastian and the team there, we had a really, really good discussion about this with the, um, what's his name? I'm sorry, Sebastian. Um, with uh, with Superintendent Garcia, 
Yeah, it was the superintendent. Thank you. And, and he was he was brilliant. He was great. And so we were just raising our hand to say anything we can do to support this is, you know, we're all for it. So you're right, Lauren, we need to collaborate more. We need a more formal way to do that um, within the zip code across Sausalito and Marin City. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see us be invited by the people who are doing this work for for Marin City, be invited in that process rather than us, you know, yeah. saying, you know, we're here, Sausalito's here to, you know, here's yeah. our commission, here's how we do things. This is no, we want to be invited into their process and are, are waiting, waiting for our invitation happily. Um, so please, you know, spread the word on our behalf. <laughs> No, I appreciate that sentiment, Chair Wiley, and, and recognize, um, you know, wanting that invitation as well. I think that MCE can can help make some connections to the relevant stakeholders that we've been working with. And um, there's a lot of them that have been really committed to this work and it's been really inspiring. So um, I appreciate the, the wants to connect with them. Uh, Brett, what was the name of that service, the plug finder you mentioned? Yeah, plugshare.com. Thank you. I'll put a link in the chat too. I don't think we have chat on these meetings. We don't. Yeah. It's disabled. I've, okay. I've looked for well, it. Yeah, so just check I, out plugshare.com. It'll it's um essentially the uh find if you have an EV, um, it's an app that will help you find where charging is located, how much it costs, if anything, and what level of charging it is. Um and it is like, it's the tool for uh, EV owners. And so if you're not an EV owner, which is 98% of MC customers, um, then it's, a, it's great to sort of see what's out there because charging is, is a hidden resource. It's all over the place because you can't see it. There's no big sign that goes up into the sky. Um, but it is also, when you're looking at charging in Marin County, you'll be able to see that Sausalito um, does stick out as a charging desert. Thank you. Right. Any other questions or? Okay, well, again, thank you, Sebastian and Sean and Brett. Appreciate this very much. And we hope for more of these projects and collaborations going forward. Thank you. Thank you so much, Greg. And thank you to the commission for having us tonight. Yes, thank, thank you for your you. patience tonight. <laughs> Um, do we have members of the public here that, uh, Elena, we should invite to comment? Yes, we do have one member of the public. If there is anyone who would like to make a public comment, please raise your hand in the Zoom application. I see no raised hands at this time. Okay. Thank you, Sebastian, Brett, and Okay. Thank you. All right. So moving on and moving quickly through our agenda, um, you'll notice we had two speakers. We normally commit to having one, but um, as you know, MCE, or you may not know, I'm not sure, MCE has been on our agenda for many months, but um, there was always, you know, they weren't quite ready for the presentation. And then we had to get that SB 1383 update because of the dates you all heard. So we really, sort of had to have two presentations. So I know we're extra long on presentations today. Good news is you won't have a waste update for me because you just heard it. But we're gonna start with um, 
the uh, housekeeping and committee updates with Vice Mayor Melissa Blaustein with the City Council update. Hi guys, um, great to see all of you um, and happy to be back. So uh, the we haven't had much of an update because we haven't met. We had our first meeting this last Tuesday and there wasn't really anything on the agenda that related to our sustainability efforts. Um, but I'm now gonna be on the agenda setting committee so I should be able to push stuff forward more quickly and also potentially on the legislative committee. So as we have things that come up, I have received a lot of correspondence from constituents about the leaf blower ordinance. I know I missed our meeting last time where we heard on that, but I would like to be helpful to you in moving that forward in whatever capacity um, is of interest. And so I'm just excited about the new year ahead. And so far we have not had any business as it related to sustainability at this point. Um, the only other thing I'll say is I had a meeting with disaster preparedness yesterday and the liaison for that committee as well. And there was a conversation about um, energy resource teams and having neighborhood response, which is neighborhood response groups for preparedness. And I think it would be useful to have the woman who presented to disaster preparedness speak to sustainability potentially, or at least do a joint meeting with disaster preparedness because there's so many links between mitigating the impacts of climate and being prepared for disaster. So thinking about that in the year ahead would be helpful too. Thank you, Vice Mayor. Um, I, as I said, I'm skipping the waste subcommittee update and on public outreach, I really, yes, Elena. Sorry, I, do, I did want to respond to uh, Vice Mayor Blaustein um, on the item. We are tentatively on the schedule for the 15th to bring a gas leaf blower ban um, to city council just in case that helps. Um, but of course that would uh, predicate it being uh, ready to go from sustainability commission. Okay. Great. And we'll, we'll get to that, to a little bit on that in the energy update too, a little more info. Um, okay, um, so yeah, I'm skipping on waste and, and I'm, I'm gonna skip on public outreach too because I don't have any updates that weren't already covered in the previous month. Um, and going to ask if we have any updates from David on equity and then water. Yeah, no updates on equity. Um, but I, I do want to prepare, we've been watching the um, water situation in and around Marin County. Of course, we all know that it's been rather humid, to say it lightly. And I got an update um, recently from the, you know, the conditions of the reservoirs that we all rely on. And so what I'd like to do is on our, in our next meeting, sort of really speak to sort of our water situation. We've seen such incredible movement in terms of how we were dealing with you know, very severe drought situation um, some months ago. We're not talking years ago, we're talking months ago. And we've had a remarkable change in that particular condition. And so I think it really brings up some sort of um, opportunities to consider how we deal with this, this um, increase of, of capacity, which we have, um, and preservation, because it seems in the past when we have these water events and things revert back to normal. But we know that normal is something different than we expect. So um, as we move forward, uh, I have on my sort of um, communication list and sort of framework, um, working with the various communities in Marin, because we all rely on the same system, um, and really communicating 
within this commission about how we think about our community with respect to these fluctuations in, in our, our water uh, capacity, our conservation efforts, and um, sort of the, the the rapid changes that we see from from, from overflow to 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 under under capacity. So I'll, I'll, I'll pause there because I think we've got a real opportunity here to not only do community outreach, um, education, but also really think about um, how we how we manage these types of um, scenarios going forward. Great. Great. Yeah, and I've heard that they're, you know, that they're considering uh, rolling off of the restrictions. I know. Uh, <laughs> Right. And so, you know, I, I'm uh, sure that, the, that Marin Water has been receiving complaints of, you know, people who have paid a lot of money for their landscaping and wanting to get back to it. And, and is there a way we can have the conversation about our, we're probably at a place where we need to be phasing away from the old type of landscaping into something that's more drought really yeah, resistant. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this becomes relevant and material when we think about policy and we think about um, managing these systems going forward, you know, good, good or bad. We have this, you know, not too many months ago, we were in a very desperate situation. And of course, memories are very sort of um, particular when it comes to, oh, and all of a sudden we have kinds of, all kinds of water and so everything is fine again. Um, I think it's we should celebrate the fact that we've had this, these incredible rain events and that these, these um, reservoirs are, are sort of bubbling with water. However, we also know that it could be very different in the next 60 days or 90 days or 120 days. So um, cal calibrating around these realities, I think is something to be very um, specific and part of this sort of water liaison role and the commission that we have is to moderate around these tremendous fluctuations that are so temporal. Great, thank you. Planning for the future, what an idea. <laughs> Imagine that. Greg, uh, how's, how's it going over there at liaising with Marin County, please tell us. Oh, I'll be quick. Um, lots going on with the Drawdown nonprofit being set up with a collaboration of commissioners across the county that I'm involved in. Um, and as part of that, the prioritization that we came up with, believe it or not, of two things, transportation and electrification, <laughs> our two biggest emissions categories. So we talked about the uh, for example, we, we talked about the um, countywide EV readiness plan is something that the commissioners across the county will be collaborating with MSEP and Christina O'Rourke, who's developed it. So our role in that is going to be very clear of collaborating and then having input on it, et cetera. So um, that's, that's basically the county update. Lots going on. Are, and are they set up? Do they have their 501c3 yet? There, oh, the, the sorry, the yeah, the there's two entities here MSEP, which is doing the EV readiness plan, and then the nonprofit, which yeah. I don't know what the name's going to be, but I think they are setting it up for it's sometime in Q1. Okay, yeah, there's always period. a little bit of a wait to get yeah. your 501c3 and yeah. when you can start funding, fundraising, and stuff. Okay, good to know. All right, um, sea level rise task force, Greg, back to you. 
Yeah, that concluded the first round and they did a survey. The survey came back and people are on board with anything and everything we can do to protect for sea level rise <clears throat> and people want more information. So the task force is likely gonna re-engage this year and do some more um, work to help shape what we do as a city for sea level rise. Great. And um, energy subcommittee update, and we actually did line item um, a specific update that you're gonna speak to us today about, Greg and Mark. Yeah, I'm gonna share my screen if that's okay. All right, so this, what I've done here is take the action tracker for energy and I've added in, if, if you guys remember, we did a presentation for the city council on the sustainability commission priorities. And so I've added in those key points here. So we've got that replicated here, um, what the general plan requirements are and then the Marin County code alignment for electrification, which Mark put together in terms of the fact that we're collaborating with um, the new construction reach code for all electric. We plan to have input on it. This is gonna go in, into um, uh, implementation January 1st, 2023. And so our priority for this year is working through that in terms of the electrification ordinance. Uh, Mark, do you have any comments on that? Uh, no, I think you, you've got it about right. I, I have heard that the, uh, the county is not leaning very heavily toward the renovation aspect of it. So we will have to establish our own reach code if that's what uh, the consensus is, if we're gonna uh, for sure go with the significant renovation part of it. Uh, but um, we, we do look forward to uh, collaborating with our partners across the county to, to hopefully have a uh, more or less uh, uniform approach to this. And, but I, I'm sure that different jurisdictions will end up having um, different requirements, but hopefully we'll all have the same baseline around new construction. Yeah, hopefully that's the goal, right? Um, so our next steps as the subcommittee, and we, we are going to go into some detail on the gas leaf blower and gardening equipment issues. Um, the, the And this, uh, Lauren, is from your summary email, right? So the goal is in January that the subcommittee works on consolidating the materials and the feedback into a staff report and a resolution that we then hand off to Elena and his sister with for what is presented to the city council. And then, uh, so that's this month, the goal. Um, we wanna discuss and approve materials at this meeting. So I'm gonna go through some of that very quickly here. Um, and then in February, asking the city council to pass a resolution and then the staff would proceed with writing that actual ordinance. So we as a commission don't write the ordinance, but the staff does and then delivers it to the city council. Um, on electrification, we just talked about it. So that's gonna be aligning with the county ordinance and pushing for including <clears throat> major renovations. And then on the other energy categories of solar and resilience, et cetera, we just heard from MCE on the resilience hub for Bayside MLK. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna do, you know, promote and facilitate that 
throughout the city. Um, and then I'm not gonna go into this at all, basically summarizes or lists the same thing I just went through. So let me now move to um, the leaf blower materials to share. If I can figure that out. Hold on one second. <laughs> so this, um, can you guys, what are you seeing on the screen? Hold on one second. Now I wanna share the screen, pick the right thing. Here it is, good. So this is the previous summary of this that Lauren developed that we went through in terms of the timeline of taking the, the fact that we've got a lot of input from the city on, you know, banning gas powered leaf blowers. Um, the key thing here is that looking at 2024, the California state law will outlaw the sale of new gas powered lawnmowers, leaf blowers and chainsaws, et cetera. We are obviously have a requirement in our um, general plan to, you know, deal with electric landscape, to promote electric landscape equipment where possible. And there, there are, you know, pros and cons. And so Lauren put together this very good pro and con, and we're not going to go through the details of this, just to say we have this as background um, for what we provide to the city. Can I just chime in there, just technical? Yeah. Greg, before I know this is already on public record and filed, and I just didn't catch that. I just did this on my work computer, but we need to remove my company name down at the bottom there. As nothing. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't want any confusion, making making it look like we're hiring, you know, a consulting firm to do. We haven't we haven't paid Oliver Wyman for any construct any um, consulting on this. No, no, <laughs> I just uh, you know, it's easier to work on that computer sometimes. So yeah, right. my bad. Let's let's get that off there for any sort of future filings. Got it. And okay. now I'm going to um, move to where's the document? Hold on. <laughs> One second. I had it up and now there it is. This document that I'll be showing here is one that Mark created doing research on what it would mean to have a leaf blower ban for the city. So um, Mark, do you wanna walk through this? Uh, sure, uh, you know, this was sent out uh, to all the commissioners ahead of time. So I'm assuming everybody's gotten to take a look at it. And I don't know if we need to go through it blow by blow. But you know the first page is uh, you know the kind of whereas and the, and the reasons why uh, 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 ending with uh, if you could scroll down uh, the, uh, a, a simple sentence that's uh, basically bans any any use of uh, gas powered landscape equipment in uh, in Sausalito um, with a few references there. Uh, I, I really recommend if you haven't taken a look at that, that, that third one, it's an older reference, but it's by California Air Resources Board, and it's really very thorough on health and environmental impacts of leaf blowers. And if, if you want to dive into it, there's a lot of research that's been done there. Um, uh, 
So the next page then would just to show you as a demonstration of kind of the fact that San Francisco Sausalito Municipal Code does have a noise control chapter. And, uh, you know, I think it would be appropriate to uh, insert a, a new, new subchapter in here for the gasoline powered landscape equipment. Um, then scrolling down. And then uh, we have some uh, uh, the existing regulations in Southern Marin with links to their uh, language uh, for anybody who's interested in seeing what our neighbors are up to. And then uh, uh, we, we have a, a page on input from city residents and we heard a lot of that testimony and, and saw it uh, written in our, in our agenda from last month. Uh, this uh, Greg encapsulated um, some of the uh, better comments there. And then the last page is just a little tutorial on noise and how um, the, the fact that um, decibels are measured on a logarithmic scale and uh, you know the difference between 60 and 70 is, is a doubling of, of noise. So it really ramps up very quickly when you get in, in, into the upper ranges and it, uh, uh, as shown there, a two-stroke backpack blower is 90 decibels plus which is uh, way over what our um, community background uh, ambient noise levels of you know, 45 or 50 decibels. Uh, so so uh, that's just kind of the overview of, of what the most important points are in terms of moving this forward. And you know, this language is all suggested and, and it's really up as Greg said, up to the city to actually write the ordinance and, and put it in, in their words and their form. But this is a, this is a good start and a, and a draft for their consideration. Yeah, great. And thank you, Mark, for doing this particular um, framework for what we are saying the ordinance can and should say, um, as well as the other background material and um, so the, the question for us is uh, essentially two things. One is, do we want to approve this as a commission? And secondly, to make sure that we, we are providing Elena with everything she needs so that the staff can move forward with, you know, the, you know, the recommendation and the draft ordinance for the city council. I have a couple of questions. Um, one, I'm not sure, is it in there? Um, I think probably I mean, we heard so much powerful testimony from the community and one of the most powerful uh, comments came from our own Greg on the line here, um, Greg Christie. And I just wanted to make sure, did you put that in here? I don't have that in here. That would be, actually, that's a good point. Um... I mean, in summary, uh, I won't put words in your mouth, Greg, but basically you've been doing this. Yeah. You had to transition as a you know, person who relied on these things. You had to transition back in the 90s and you have no problems. You, you, know, you, you, you could probably recommend brands. So I just think having that as a called out, sort of we have community testimony, but let's hear from someone who actually, who we know well and work with, who's been through this, 
because I think a big concern is while this is going to um, really hurt um, landscape companies and if they're going to jack up their prices or you know all those concerns I think Greg could be really helpful um, and then you know similar to that the comments about there was a really useful comment on on the, the, the call last time with one of our community members talking about the gas the, the gas prices these days and how in fact this could actually be a cost savings with with what landscapers are, are dumping into their their blowers at this at this point. So those are just two comments on how I think this could be boosted. And then the other piece is San Anselmo, which is the latest of our jurisdictions that's in here. And they have a very unique, they've just recently passed um, theirs in September. And they have a really unique approach to incentivization and, and community outreach and business outreach. And they are going through it right now. They're just a few months ahead of us. So if any community I think is worth touching base with to replicate, um, I believe it was pretty unanimous. I, I know one of the city council members there and um, um, I, I, I think she mentioned that it was, you know, it, it wasn't um, passing it, but it was, it was, I think helpful that they had a lot of incentivization for, for, for folks. So I just think we should really lean into that resource. And did you say that they're not passing it or that? No, no, they, they did. They passed it in September. It's being implemented in January. So like they're, they're in it. They're, they're just a few months ahead of us. And I think we should. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. I missed that. Okay. And I just heard uh, tonight that uh, Fairfax is moving forward with a uh, uh, landscape equipment ban. I think too, the other thing that's caught up Sausalito before is that there was in the past a real push to ban uh, all of them, all leaf blowers, right? They're too loud or whatever the reason being, that's where it always hung up, right? This is not what we're doing. We're banning gas powered leaf blowers. And I think that's how we'll have a shot at getting this win for the environment. Um, and hopefully a little bit of the wind on the noise too, but but it's better than what we've been in the past here in Sausalito, which is going for it all and just it's dying on the vine. So let's bring it to something that we can get achieved, which I think is what we've been discussing here. Um, um, I wouldn't diverge from that. Specific to leaf blowers, but not other gas-powered landscaping equipment. Uh, well, actually, in, in our recommendation, we uh, are recommending that it also be uh, lawnmowers, weed trimmers, and uh, chainsaws. Yeah, so I want to be, be just bring that up. I mean, were these other ordinances leaf blower specific, or were they uh, gas-powered landscape equipment? Uh, I, I think most of them are leaf blower specific. Um, okay, so we're going beyond are, that. Yeah, I think... But but the state is it going to outlaw the, the no, I, I, sale of all those uh, in a country? No, I agree. I understand. Right, but yeah, but you, it's a good point, David. I think our conversation last time was about leaf blowers. So are you saying right, now right. that we have changed our our plan and and added to it? 
I'm just well, trying, I'm gonna, trying to clarify with Mark's point around yeah. um, landscape equipment. Sure, Greg and I did speak about this issue and we decided to be put, put it in there and if somebody wanted to negotiate and take it out, they could do that. But we wanted to have a strong position. Yeah. And, and and I and it's just a a you know if you look at the whole <laughs> whole system here we are the we are the sustainability commission so we represent you know in in these cases the more um, advanced view of things and so it's okay with me that we would say to the city we want this to apply to all gas powered landscape equipment and the city would then decide if they want to do that or keep it just to leaf blowers. But I mean, that's yeah. my opinion, but it's, you know, up to us as a commission to decide sure. how we want to do that. I'm not picking, I'm not, I'm not picking a point. I'm just observing that yeah. these other areas, if they're exclusive to leaf blowers, then we're expanding that in yeah. terms of comparative, right? Mm -hmm. And if we're deciding or we're recommending or we're having a conversation around all of these hydrocarbon-based um, landscaping devices, then we're clear that that's what we're, we're, yeah. we're advocating versus just a leaf blower, right? Because we know that leaf blowers are a hot button because yeah. of course they're loud and they blow leaves all over the place. <laughs> um, but there's all these other things that are also hydrocarbon based that, you know, trimmers and all these, you know, devices. And we do know and are aware that there is a state requirement around the sort of remediation of these particular types of devices towards something alternative because of the nature of the pollutants that they produce. But I, I, I just wanted to bring notice to it that we're, yeah. if we're looking yeah. at other communities then this is an expansive conversation versus on what they're focused on. Yeah, uh, thank right. you for bringing that up. Yeah, and and thank you because it wasn't I wasn't it wasn't clicking with me and all of the research that I did, for instance, to frame the conversation was not about the others. So if we need to add in, you know, which and you did provide Mark new reference points too over and above the points in the original documents. So as long as the end, the package includes, you know, pros and cons or, or about everything and, and that we, we make sure that that's clear that this is more than just a leaf blower. I think, David, that that's a very valid point. And the only concern I would have is that, okay, yes, we can say the city, it's up to the city to push back or the council to say, no, uh, you know, no, we're not going to do that. But it was also up for up to them to to push back and say, well, what about not banning all leaf blowers and just banning gas-powered ones way back when? And they didn't do that, and it got kicked right. out. The, 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 and here we are five years later, and we're back to it. So I would hate to see it being well intended. Like let's go, let's let's go for it all, and to end up right where we were again because we we went too far. So perhaps, Melissa, this is where you could counsel us on, do we go for what we think is the obvious win here on leaf blowers, or do we go and we, we go a step further to and, and rely on the council discussion or the city? I would rely on the council discussion because, I mean, I would never be opposed to outline gas appliances. I mean, if you're if you're referring to outdoor for it's separate than it's separate from the 
home in the home one that Mark is working on. The outdoor equipment, right? Yeah, that's fine. The worst case scenario is that council says this is too ambitious. Let's take out all outdoor appliances, but I don't see why we would do that. So, well, and we have the only thing. I guess the issue would be lawnmowers. So I don't know. I mean, are there like I'm not up to speed on the the technology for lawnmowers. Is is anyone? Yes, number seven here says the state of California will be outlawing the sale of new gas-powered lawnmowers as well as leaf blowers and weed trimmers and chainsaws by around 2024. So yes, the answer is the battery technology is there so that all of these outdoor you know, appliances can go to batteries at some point. It's really down to the city. I mean, I don't know what resident has a gas-powered lawnmower, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't have a lawn, Very few people have lawns. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have a lawn. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. My my gardener uses a gas-powered lawn. I mean, I don't. I don't have anything to do with this. My landlord is the decider of what happens in our yard. But the I know that the gardener has a gas-powered lawnmower because I've noticed it and it smells gassy and I'm like, oh, this is not good for the environment. Every time I see it in yeah. our backyard. Right. But not a lot so, of people have lawns here. That's a good point. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I want to just state the obvious, right? We're not like Ross where people have three acres of grass. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and perhaps it does sit with, you know, when it gets to city mm. council for them to raise concern there um, and for the, for the city to, have, I mean, I don't know what the city has in their, in their, you know, garage of lawnmowers if they have them so I mean I just think we're, we're getting into things that we didn't research before so that's fine we have Melissa's voice on the council too as long as you Melissa know that if it's getting looking like this is going to a no because of we're we're fixated there on on, on lawnmowers right that we have your voice saying stop let's 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 not let's do leaf blowers like we can't let leaf blowers go because we yeah yeah no I, 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 I i'd like to too. yeah i'd like to jump in and just explain that the the app applying this in practice would be we would be smart about it and we would make sure um that if we decide to go for all outdoor appliances we would we would articulate it in a way so that it's not an all or nothing. If the city council does decide to come back and say, well, we're not going to include, yeah. um, you know, lawn, <coughs> we're going to make it easy for that to be a step back from what the commission is recommending. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm all for it. I just, you know, gosh, yeah, I, would yeah. hate, I would hate it to be a miss lost in yeah. translation and suddenly we have nothing. Yep. No, we're, we, uh, exactly. We're not going to do this so that it's all or nothing. That makes no sense. We agree with that. Of course. It could be that the outcome of this is it's it's just gas leaf blowers that are banned. That could be the outcome. But if that's the case, we've at least accomplished that. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, so I guess, um, I don't know if we have to, I don't know. Do we vote on this and say we're going to move forward and then we're going to finalize the 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 materials for Elena? Is that how we do this? And then Elena, we can work together on what you need beyond what this is? Yes, um, if you finalize the uh, recommendation that you want to send to city council, I believe um, 
this would be a business item and I would accompany it with a staff report uh, and we would make a presentation to the city council asking for um, direction to staff to prepare the ordinance. Okay. All right, well, are we, uh, are we moving to vote then? Sounds like we are. I'll All make right. a motion. Do we have a second? I'll second the move. All right, I will call the roll. Uh, Commissioner Palmer? Aye. Commissioner Cooper? Aye. Vice Chair Thompson? Hi. And Chair Wiley. Hi. Excellent. And so just to clarify for uh, the purpose of the minutes, this is to send this uh, this recommendation to the city council. Um, as written, did you uh, decide that you wanted any edits? Yeah, uh, um, we just want to edit it with the comments made by the commission. So that will be including San Anselmo and Fairfax references, and then I'll reach out to Greg Christie to get his statement on him operating these, these electric appliances. So if I can have the time to do that, then we can have it ready for the city council. Okay. Okay. All right, thank you. And, and if we have members of the public, we just have one more quick um, housekeeping update and then we will come to, to public comment for all of the housekeeping items. So, um, Greg, uh, transportation. Okay. Or, or well, not sure who's speaking for David. Oh, go, go ahead. Oh, okay. Did you have something, Mark? On well, no, I wanted to show that 17 minute video if you would. Oh, <laughs> Mark has, oh my could God. I, if you can show a couple, you mean 17 seconds? So yeah, 17 I'm seconds. Like, we have 17, say, 17 minutes, we're all gonna go get popcorn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I was I was walking down by Gabrielson Park this week and I happened to see a, a, a city maintenance worker here. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> see with his see, is that an electric or a gas? No, no gas. Yes. Oh boy. And in that really, report, they talked about fugitive dust. It's really yeah. loud when you play it for yourself on your computer. I can't hear it much now, but nice visual aid to go with the city council presentation. <laughs> Did you say fug fugitive dust? Is that what you said? Fugitive dust. That wow. Is not in addition to the noise and uh, hydrocarbons. There's also the issue of the dust that gets stirred up. You know, I didn't see any weeds down there or any any leaves, but he's moving the dust and dirt around, I guess, which I'm not sure. At least he has ear protection, so that's I mean, a positive. Yeah, right. At least he's got his ear protection on. Okay, that's enough. The dust thing is a good argument, though, because we're advocating for electric leaf blowers. They blow, too, so. They blow dust. They blow dust, yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Um, anything on tr um, transportation? Just what I said already, um, very quickly, we are going to be tracking and having input to the um, uh, countywide EV readiness plan, which is currently expected to be draft in January. 
working through it in Q1 and then, and then hopefully it becoming final. And we want to include not only public, but also what target locations of privately owned properties do we want to actually go to, to try to promote charging at those locations. So we're going to go through this process of um, going through that plan with the county, having our input on it, and then coming back and hopefully taking the action we need to not be a charging desert. <laughs> yeah, that was embarrassing. Yeah. Yes. David, but I don't know if you have any more comments on this. I just, you know, we, we haven't had a chance. No, to I, no, I think it's great, though, that they brought up that it's a charging desert. I think that <laughs> we use that terminology in some of our earlier reporting where we were doing comparative analysis with other communities in California showed that we are incredibly, incredibly behind the curve in terms of what we're uh, serving and supporting our public. But more importantly, we're you know a tourist, a uh, uh, commuter, and uh, a multifamily sort of um, you know poor infrastructure type um, city. <laughs> we're we're also now considered a charging desert so we're stacking up the negatives this that was so sad when he said Sausalito's a charging desert I was no, like this is really, really embarrassing yes <laughs> totally I know I know it's not not I mean we think of ourselves as so wonderful but apparently <laughs> we're not oh <laughs> uh, we are behind there and and Elena the other item I wanted to check in with you on is the dollars from um TAM on the EV promotional thing and what, what's next with that? <laughs> that is, we've got that on business items. Oh, yeah, we do. Next okay, step. sorry. I'm, I, yeah. All right, good. So, um, okay, so let's quickly wrap up housekeeping. I do not think we have members of the public, so can we move on? Uh, yes, no members of the public are present at this time, so uh, we can move on. So, yeah, let's go into that TAM grant fund discussion with Ride and Drive. Alina, did, did you have the update on this? Yeah, I'll take the update. Um, so we've been asked to uh, confirm that we want to use the TAM funds for Ride and Drive. Um, and I um, felt that it was important for the Sustainability Commission to uh, officially vote to approve that use of those funds. It's not a lot, it's only $4,500, but um, it will allow uh, members of the public from S Sausalito to participate in those events without having to pay any fees. So um, I've attached a couple of um, references on what the what the project is about for your um, for your review. If you want me to go over those, we can. But I think we've discussed it previously, um, and they're just waiting for us to confirm that we've voted and approved that we'll use the funds for this purpose. And it's really simply just a campaign to promote EVs and have a EV showcase and, and the um, Drive Clean Bay Area folks are the ones that would do it for TAM and with us. So it doesn't take up much, if any, staff time and they're doing all the work. So it's a good thing, I think. And is this the type of place, a uh, type of event uh, where they come here for Ride and Drive and we would have the opportunity to like set up a commission table and yeah. be there more broadly as the commission? Yes bringing in some compost bags and like, you know, while, <laughs> while we have you type stuff. Exactly. <laughs> okay, good, let's do it. Do you need us to vote, Alina? Um, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I move we accept this money we're being given. I second. All right, I'll call the roll. Uh, Commissioner Palmer? 
Aye. Commissioner Cooper? Aye. Vice Chair Thompson? Aye. And Chair Wiley? Aye. All right, the ayes have it. Excellent. Okay, next up is, um, is the climate emergency resolution. Um, this was for history and especially for you, Melissa, um, because you were not at the, hang on, I'm just pulling it up, um, at the city council meeting where we presented. Uh, we had in our presentation, uh, we added in an ask, a specific ask of the council, uh, will you support us bringing to the consent calendar a climate emergency resolution? Uh, and we framed that what the climate emergency resolution is, is essentially a tool uh, that hopefully the city uh, and the city manager specifically can use as a helpful sort of prioritization uh, guidance. So the city council passing this, agreeing that we need to prioritize and in particular, there are some points here that talk about the need for prioritization resourcing to support these things. So it's, it's really the way I see this is, this is a tool to help the city prioritize. And this is also something that can help us with community outreach. And it's, it's really a, um, an amplification of what we already have in the general plan. Uh, so that's the background. The, the what you see, um, I, I'm happy to share my screen or you can just click on the agenda. Um, can I share? Yes, hang on. So um, what you see here is, is really a, a, a pretty much a carbon copy of, of San Rafael and Larkspurs. You know, we have plenty of the other jurisdictions in Marina passed this. So this is really taking that lead, uh, what they said, updating a few things um, specific to Sausalito where it mentions the general plan. Um, and this would be the, the guidance that we would, um, this, is, this is for Elena to take and proof and make sure that the city is comfortable but ultimately would go to the city council as a consent calendar item to be passed. And so that's that. Melissa, did okay, you- Okay, great. Yeah, I, I, right I've seen these. Of, yeah, these seems right, seem right. I've seen these before um, at many other councils too that are already you know, signed and sealed. So I think we're again, a little behind, which is okay. Um, but I, 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 I'm, sure that we can get this on the consent calendar if you guys have a proposed, as with this a proposed version that you have here. Great. So I think we have a tentative place on the agenda for, for on the consent calendar, Elena, right? Yes, we do. Um, it is tentatively, let me see, there's a lot of stuff. Um, February 8th, which is pretty quick uh, turnaround, but it's most likely gonna be a consent calendar item. So um, I might suggest that we just push it off to February 15th since we have two potentially, um, two other items on that calendar with the notice of intent to comply for SB 1323 
and the gas blower ban potentially again if it's all ready to go it's it's fine with me to push it just and ask for the fellow commissioners i am at a conference the week of the 15th so i can't be there to advocate and i think we would need to have someone you know representing the commission on that day so um whenever we have any of our stuff on the calendar we should be there and as many of us as possible but so that's all that's all i'm opining on it's really what what you think is best elena um i think the 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 leaf blower ban um, would probably benefit from having uh, advocate, advocacy from your group if you're bringing that forward. The other two items are likely to go on consent. So there and you, be- And we can't comment on that anyway? I mean, there's not gonna be discussion if it's on consent, um, okay. you know, so. Okay, then, then it's perfect, great. Mm -hmm. We should be ready with the leaf blower ban by the eighth for sure shouldn't take long for us to okay there's well, part, um, part a of time. That, yeah part of it depends on where, where you yeah exactly i shouldn't say that from the commission standpoint <laughs> we can yeah. be ready but you may need more time you're right yeah i have to get our staff report prepared uh, my my supervisor and her supervisor everyone has to review it um before okay. it gets placed on the agenda of, um completely so there's a little bit of lead time that we have to have for that so okay. um I, I, I can need. help with the staff report, whatever that means that I can, I don't know what it means, but I'll, you know, we'll give you all this material and then you might say, we'll help with this, help with this. That's fine. <laughs> For sure. If you yeah. find in your research, any other staff reports uh, from right. other cities who have passed it, usually they're, can, they're uh, on the agenda with right. the ban, the resolution. Um, you don't have to, you know, uh, edit it for Sausalito. I'll do that. Um, but if you send that along with me as reference material, that would be the help. Got it. Good. Okay. Thanks. I think that would be a good one to get from San Anselmo in case it has the details of that incentive plan. Yeah. Good. Okay. So on the climate emergency resolution, then we uh, we need to move to a an agreement that we're going to hand this over to the city, to Elena, uh, and it'll next show up on the consent calendar. Does someone want to move, give us that uh, motion? Move to approve. Is a second? Or I'll second that motion to approve. Okie doke. All right, I'll call the roll. Commissioner Palmer? Mark, you're on mute. <laughs> I, I saw his lips move. Yeah. I saw his lips move. <laughs> Hi. Uh, Commissioner Cooper. Hi. Yeah. Vice Chair Thompson. Hi. Chair Wiley. Hi. Uh, the eyes have it. Okie doke. Uh, all right. We're in the final stretch. Future agenda items. Um, the only one I think I heard tonight come up was disaster preparedness. I don't think that had an immediate need, Melissa, but just at some point to perhaps bring them on, but not necessarily right. imminently. Um, any other future agenda items? I have uh, a, oh, go ahead. Sorry, you will be reviewing the SB 1383 ordinance at your next meeting. 
Right. That'll be presented, uh, but from uh, R three. I have a question on um, whether we want to, as a commission, in you know the January February timeframe, lay out our goals for each year, and if so, can that be on the agenda for next meeting to say, okay, here's the things we really want to accomplish each year. So in January February we talk about them, and and I'm asking if that makes sense to you guys too. I think it makes total sense. Thank you. I know the subcommittees probably can and should go, okay, we're you know, like, obviously the example is the energy subcommittee going, going after the electrification ordinance with the county and then transportation doing the EV charging with the county. So those are big objectives for 2022 for those two, you know, categories, for example. Uh, if I might ask um, Vice Mayor Blaustein, uh, do you have an idea of when recruitments for? Uh, I do. This happen? just came up at our last meeting, and we are going to be putting that back on the agenda to put out calls for those commissions that need um, new membership because PBAG also PBAC also lost members, and so I've noted that the Sustainability Commission will, is looking for applications, so we'll be interviewing again. I'm going to ping. Um, it's probably too late for this Friday's currents, but I'll ping Abbott too to make sure that it's in the currents next week. And I think we'll probably be interviewing people soon, very soon, like as soon as at the next meeting. Wonderful. So, yeah, I'm excited. And I had a, I have someone who's applying who's really fantastic. Um, her name is Meg Haywood Sullivan. She's a sustainability expert. She's one of the, she's the co-founder of Plastic Free Fridays. She's just done a lot of really cool work in sustainability and she just moved to Sausalito. So. Great. Awesome. And Greg, I think you have a candidate as well, right? Yeah. Um, Reza Jalali, who's um, a neighbor and a great person. He's done finance work at BlackRock for many years, and he's very interested. So hopefully he'll be great. Awesome. Oh, yeah. We met. Didn't, didn't we have? Um, yeah. 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 Together. Yeah. Yep. The uh, the application apply to serve is open, so um, anyone can apply at any time. Okay, so uh, future agenda items, if you have any between now and then, um, let us know. Otherwise, we know we have an SB thirteen eighty three update and our goals for twenty twenty two. Start thinking about those. Keep your time of year to do that. Good idea, Greg. Thank you. Um, all right. So if we don't have any more items, that's it. I think the last time we went egregiously over, it was 822. And here we are again, this is the, this is the- 822. <laughs> there we are again at the uh, infamous 822 overrun. Um, right the about this. overrun, that's great. Well, it's, you know, and that's about the length of a speaker slot, right? So, and that's why we, we keep it to one and why we, we knew we were sort of steal over today. So thank you for your patience and, Greg and Kim, are you still at work? My God, <laughs> go home. They're asleep. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we actually had something else going on we had to listen in on. So it was like, okay, let's just stay at work. And <laughs> oh, so you were multitasking. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I saw, your, I saw the cat, though. Do you, does the yep. cat live at work? Yeah, there's two cats. They were they were found in one of the businesses here close by. There's actually six of them at one time, but we're down to two stay in the office here. So okay. a, it, yeah, animals everywhere. <laughs> Greg, I have a request. Yes. Um, can you 
articulate in an email your use of the um, battery powered landscape stuff that you said it verbally before when we were together. If you can write it down and send it to me, I want to add that to our um, gas garden equipment ban document. Sure, no problem. I'll that'd do that. Be, that'd be fantastic. Thank you. Okay. Yep. I can no, not tonight. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. It's on the video if you want to watch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks to everyone. Thanks. I think Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Take care. Bye. Until next time. Bye. 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 Bye.